Canine Cast number 28. It's the Canine Cast with Tara and Walter. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Canine Cast. This is Tara. And hello, everyone. This is Walter. In the last episode, in case you missed it, which was Canine Cast number 27, we had a sound singing tour of the 2005 Hyperflight Skyhounds World Canine Disc Championships. We brought you sounds of the competition, interviews with some of the competitors, and play-by-play of some of the routines during the competition. So you should check it out if you haven't heard it. That was also kind of a fun, different episode to make because we actually did most of it on-site at the championships. So that was really neat to be there as a spectator and actually see it unfold in front of our eyes and be able to share it with you. Now, for this episode... I'd like to start out with an email that was sent to us actually some time ago by one of our listeners, Jason. Um, he wrote in about a, about a particular training method that I actually was unfamiliar with, so I read up on it, and I was so, so very excited to hear from him and hear about this because I think that it's great, and I wanted to share it with you all today. So to, um, to start out with, the method is called Amichian Bonding. We're not entirely sure how the correct pronunciation of that is supposed to go. We weren't able to find that part online. But in any case, Jason was wondering what my thoughts are on Amichian bonding. Now, just to give you some background, there is a woman named Jan Fennell who wrote a book called The Dog Listener. That book actually lays out her techniques for this Amichian bonding. And what she's done is she she basically was inspired by Monty Roberts, For those of you who may not be familiar with him, he is the one known as the Horse Whisperer. And there was a movie made about that a few years ago with Robert Redford in it. She saw him in action with horses and saw the way that he kind of used horse behavior to communicate with the horses. And later on, used her own observations in order to figure out how to use dog behavior to interact with dogs. And then turned it into this whole technique that allows people to interact with their dogs to help solve um, behavior issues and also just to form stronger bonds with their dogs in general. So Jason said that he has been doing clicker training for several years and had also began using the Amichian bonding methods and had very good results combining the two of them together. So, um, So first of all, to give you guys kind of an idea of what exactly this technique is that she uses, she has four separate elements that she wants people to use together. And, sh- and those four things are, are very, very important. Now, this technique uses pack hierarchy to, g- to establish you as the leader. So you would be what in the wolf pack would be the alpha dog, and then your dogs would be underneath you. And then, of course, the, if you have more than one dog, then the dogs can be in different areas more more dominant or submissive to each other. But basically, it's just a hierarchy, and you establish yourself as the leader. You use these four specific elements to do that. And what they are is looking at it from the dog's point of view or the pack's point of view is whenever the pack is separated, when they all come back, they have a ritual that they go through to establish who the pack leader is once they get back together. Also, if the pack is under attack, there is somebody whose job is to basically protect the pack, um, protect the dogs, make the decisions that are going to keep everybody safe. Who is that going to be? 
when the pack goes out on a hunt, there is someone who leads them. And last, whenever the pack eats, there's an order that they eat in and the leader gets to eat first. So that's kind of how the dogs look at it or how the pack would look at it. From the human perspective, what you'll want to do and what she, sh- what she tells you how to do is to actually turn that into actions that you can take yourself. For example, the first one, talking about the pack reuniting after a separation. Well, what happens is if you, lo- if you look at a wolf pack, as, as Ms. Fennell explains, you'll see that the leaders are just kind of are calm and just kind of have their own, you know, their own space when everybody gets back together. Meanwhile, the rest of the dogs will go up to the leader and they will they will be excited and they will go to the leader and kind of do some submissive things and they may jump around and act excited. But the important thing here to take away as a person is that the leader is the one who remains calm and essentially kind of ignores the other ones for a little while. So in order to turn that around into the person displaying pack leadership, whenever the person goes home, the dogs will probably be excited to see the person. And, and all of us know how our dogs react when we come home. They're normally so very happy to see us. Now, as people, our first inclination most of the time is to go and greet our dogs and say hello, the same as we would other people that are in the house when we get home. But looking at it from the pack standpoint, it's better to ignore your dogs for a little while so that they can, they'll probably still be bouncing around and very excited. But what she says to do is to ignore them until such time as they go and lay down. And that basically shows that they're giving you your space. After that point, when you see them go lay down, she says to ignore them for five more minutes, and then you can calmly call them to you. Now, this is also something that a, lot, that a lot of behaviorists will recommend for such things as separation anxiety. If your dog has a hard time being alone by itself, then they say to go ahead and ignore the dog when you first come home. So that's something that's very interesting that she has arrived at essentially the same idea from kind of a different angle. And later on in the, in the book, she does actually go through different dog behavior problems and ways to use her techniques to help solve those. And there is a dog with separation anxiety. And that's, of course, one of the first things that she has the person do with that dog. So it's really neat to see how you can just use these different, these different pack ideas, you transform them a little bit as a person so that you can interact with your dog using the same actions that the leader of the wolf pack would use to interact with their pack. Now, I really, really liked this book. A lot of the techniques that she uses and the way that she tells people to use them are very similar to, uh, to, as I said, ways that behaviorists will tell you to interact with your dogs anyway. Um, For example, when the pack goes on a hunt, who's going to lead them? She makes an analogy with that with any time that you're going on a walk with your dog. If your dog is out there walking you, then they are being the leader. So what you want to do is you want to teach your dog to walk with you or behind you, but essentially to let you be the leader and take them where it's time, where you want to go. Now, what's interesting is I, I was an immediately an instant fan of this book. In reading reviews of the book, one common criticism that I came across was that 
um, a lot of people said, well, the thing about this book is it is based on her assumptions from just observing her own dogs as opposed to science, quote unquote. Now, the way that I look at that is, um, well, first, first of all, you know, s- some observation is scientific, depending on the way that you go about it. But um, more importantly, I kind of like to take myself out of the science aspect of it and just look at the results. As I said, a lot of the things that she has in here are things that behaviorists who do use science will tell you to do anyway. A lot of these are things that in explaining them to, to other people, it may be kind of difficult. It's, it's very difficult for a lot of people to hear, oh, you know, I'm supposed to ignore my dog when I first come home. Well, as that's when we w- most want to say hi because we've been gone and we miss them. And so that's something that's very difficult for people to do. But through an understanding of pack behavior, it can make it a little bit easier to understand from a, from a layperson point of view as opposed to a scientist why you would do that and how that's going to help, which is something that's that's really, really neat. And the way that she explains everything is broken down so that any, it's very, very easy to understand. It's very well written so that it's interesting to read. And then she goes on to show how she applies it and why it works when she applies it. So in some ways, regardless of whether it is quote unquote scientific, I think it's still a, a great, great technique to use and especially to use in conjunction with other techniques with your dogs. It's one more tool that you can put in your chest that is very positive. Um, she's, very, she's very, very adamant that in all of this, you're not going to force your dog to do anything. You're going to give your dogs a choice as to how they're going to act. And then when they are acting in the correct way, then they will get what they want from you. For example, if when you come home, if they're jumping up and down, then they're not going to get your attention. But if they go lay down, let you have your space for a little while, then you will call them to you. When you, when you they will call them to you, they have a choice to come or not to come to you. Now, if they don't come to you, then they're not going to get attention. But if they do come to you, then they get lots of attention. So that's a very non-confrontational way to interact with your dogs as well which is very nice. Now, I can see why you would have good results using this bonding and also using the clicker training. Because this bonding, first of all, does set you up as the leader of the pack, and it does set you up in a way that your dog is going to want to make the effort to interact with you in good ways. And that's always always a great way to put them in a good frame of mind for training. Now, we could get into drive theory, and in one of the shows, we probably will, but essentially, one of the main points is that in order for your dog to take a lot away from training, you want it to be in their pack, in its pack drive or kind of in a pack frame of mind. In other words, looking to you as the leader. So this bonding technique will support that and put them in that frame of mind. Also, with Karen Pryor's clicker training, you again, you don't really force the dog to do anything. They just learn that, okay, well, if I do this thing, then my person is going to click and I'm going to get my treat or my toy or my motivator, whatever good thing that I want. And so everybody's happy. So these two things can go together really well. I can see where that would work. Although it is very interesting that the Karen Pryor clicker training method is based on um, the si- the science of behavior, starting with you know Pavlov's Pavlov's dogs salivating at the sound of a bell, and takes that takes that on. So that's very scientific. Whereas, 
as I said before, this comes under criticism for not being scientific enough. But it's a great book if you're looking for a way to strengthen your bond with your dog or to, or to you know, help with some behavior problems, then this book may have some ideas for you. So I highly recommend it. Uh, again, the author is Jan Fennell, and the book is called The Dog Listener. So we'll have, that on, we'll have a link to that on the show notes for you and also in the Enhanced Podcast so that you can check it out if you'd like. So Jason, thank you so much for sending that to me. I've already, just in my personal life, recommended it to some people to check out for themselves and working with their own dogs. So that's a great book. And I'm so very happy to have come across it. Okay, next, we have a question from Wendy. And she writes in about her patio door and her two dogs. She says, I just got a pet door from my glass patio door so that my two dogs, a Labradoodle 60 pounds and a Maltese nine pounds can go freely in and out of my room into the patio to hang out. Since I have a big dog, I need to get the large pet door for him. So both dogs would need to use the same large pet door entrance. What happens is that the smaller dog is having a lot of difficulty pushing the door open. It seems to be so heavy for him that he is reluctant to go in and out, unlike the bigger dog. Is there anything I can do to train the smaller dog so he is more confident that he can push open the door? Well, Wendy, a lot of this is going to depend on exactly how heavy this door is to your dog. Now, first of all, some dogs are more sensitive than others just of the feeling of pushing the door open and also having it touch their back as they're going out. So that could be part of it if it's just that he seems like he's not very confident about it. It may just not be a comfortable feeling. If that's the case, then you absolutely can train him. What you will want to do if you haven't already is go ahead and use treats You can kind of stick your hand through the door with a treat and as he goes for it, let him let him get little teensy, you know, nibbles and bites, but don't let him take it. Go ahead and pull the treat through the door so that he'll come through the door. And as he's doing that, your arm should be kind of holding the door open a little bit. So do that a few times until he'll actually go through that hole that is the door. Then what you'll want to do is as you are leading him through with the treat, you'll want to gradually let more and more of the door actually touch him as he goes through or um, leave a smaller space in the door so that he has to actually push it a little bit more at a time. And that way you can gradually get him used to the feeling. Now, if that's the case and he just needs more confidence, that's a great way to build that up. And then what what you do, of course, also is anytime he does go through it and he gets to you, not only does he get the treat, but give him give him a big puppy party. Just make a big fuss about what a wonderful, smart dog he is and what a great thing that he did. You'll want to make sure to do this on both sides of the door, by the way, so that he doesn't get confident going outside but not back inside or something like that. Now, say you've done that and, he is, and he's pretty confident in going through. However, he still may not like to go through it. Um, it may it may be heavy enough that it's really difficult for him. So if that's the case, then you may want to explore some other alternatives. If you're just wanting him to go onto the patio to hang out, then um, then that's fine. It, he may not he may not um, go outside. But I mean, he's a small dog, so he does have a lot of room inside. If you're wanting him to be able to go out there to use the potty, 
then you may want to think about litter training him or um, puppy pad training him inside the house, which you can do with a, with a small dog. You just have to be careful that they're not going to try to eat any of the litter. So those are a couple of things to keep in mind. But, ba- but basically, so long as the door is light enough for him to actually get through, then that should then that should be fine. And I would recommend if you have any concerns about whether the door is too heavy to ask your vet about that because they may be able to give you a good idea of what um, what weight it should be and how to figure out whether that's good form or not. Because if it is too heavy, then we don't want him bonking his little head either because that'll that'll really get his confidence going in the wrong direction. But thanks for writing in about that. And now I'm going to turn it over to Walter, who's going to tell you all about some new pictures that we've recently received of our listeners' dogs. Thanks, Tara. We've got two new pictures in the picture gallery today. One from Sean in South Korea of his four-year-old Weimaraner named Luke Skywalker. And the second picture we have up is from PD from lovehouseradio.com podcast. And it's a picture of his dog, Coley. And it, she's pictured here with her good friend, Shrek. Thanks, Walter. Now, that's all that we have time for tonight. We still have some other listener questions and stories that we'll be sharing with you in shows to come. And we always love getting those. So please continue to email us. And you can also leave us a voicemail, either on our number or on Skype. Those will be available for you at the end of the show. But please keep sending in all of your stories and your questions, your pictures, and just all of your feedback. We really love to see that. And it brightens our day. So with that, if you haven't already, please remember to spay or neuter your dog. It's the best thing that you can do for your furry friend. If you have a question for Tara or a comment about CanineCast, please leave us a voice message by calling 206-338-DOGS. That's 206-338-3647. Or post a comment on our website at CanineCast.com. That's the letter K, the number 9, cast.com.